Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders, and what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, please. I'm going to begin a series today. I don't know how long it's going to last, maybe a couple of weeks. Um, I started this, actually uh, Devin started teaching on this thought to the students at RSM, which by the way, if you're a college student or even an adult and you're wanting to get ready and prepared for ministry, I don't usually get a chance to plug Redemption School of Ministry, but we have a school of ministry that is a highly hands-on, immersive, two-year program. Many of our students are here on the front row. Y'all give some love to the people. I don't see everybody, but most of them. Y'all give them some love, I mean. We have an amazing program, and it's a two-year program for those who, who, who want to be a part of developing their gift and just being immersed in the presence of God and preparing for all that God has for your life. And so Devin started teaching that a about two weeks ago, and then I taught this past Tuesday on, um, I taught on a unique subject, falling out in the spirit, a defense of falling out in the spirit. What is that? And, um, and so, what? I'm, I'm, I'm going there, but she's great. She's, we got this thing going on. She helps me when I forget a word, but I, I, got, I love you. <laughs> Whenever she sees me swimming looking for help, she starts whispering words to me so that I don't get drowned out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, it was a, it's not really a defense, it's an explanation, but the word in the Greek is apologia. Um, apology is where we get that word from. And though, so we have this thing in the kingdom of God and in Christianity called Christian apologetics. And there's a scripture over in 1 Peter chapter 3 that I'm going to read as a foundation today, but... It's only as a foundation and sort of an understanding so that we can build a platform to jump off of for the next couple of weeks. Because what occurs to me as a pastor and as a leader, um, particularly this is necessary when you become a melting pot of people who've come from different kinds of churches. People sit in church on Sunday and they bring their previous encounters and experiences of, of, with God and church with them. All right, and here's the problem. The problem is most of the time, not all the time, and we're, we're in one of those places this morning where this is not necessarily true. Most of the time, we all individually migrate to a church that encounters and experiences God the same way. Agree? I, I mean, Primarily when you go to a church, you pick one, you choose one that, that kind of uh, produces an encounter with God that is in keeping with what you feel good with. Nobody wants to go to church and be, leave every Sunday and be like, that was horrible. We go to churches where, where everybody sort of embraces it the same and many times encounters it the same. The only problem with that is this, that many times 
we experience God in a bubble. And our way of encountering God is the only way we think people can encounter God. So what you have to do is you have to have, you have, to have revelatory teaching and spirit-inspired preaching so that people who have never encountered God that way have that wall removed that makes that move of God accessible to them so they can have something they never experienced before. You'll never experience something in God you don't have faith to believe for. He that believeth, he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't access something fresh and new in God if you don't have faith for it. You can't have faith for it if you don't know about it. Because faith comes by hearing the rhema word of God. And so for the next, I don't know, few weeks, I want to preach about revival apologetics. An explanation of things that happen in a place where revival is going on. And I want some of us to understand that, first of all, you know, some people would argue that apologetics are a defense or an argument. I didn't come to argue with you or anybody else. If you're trying to argue with me that the Holy Ghost ain't real and that revival don't happen, you have come way, way, way too late. Anybody in here still believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and still believe that revival is happening in the church? In fact, I don't, I, let me, I don't know how long you're going to stand here, so let me just, I want to tell you revival is not a three-night thing. Revival is a lifestyle for a redeemed people who believe you can literally live in the presence and awareness of the living Christ. And not just in here on Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I love this. I saw this Wednesday night. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, the church has left the building. How many know that's when it really breaks out, when the church leaves? Look at your neighbor one more time and wake him up with that and say, hey, neighbor, the church has left the building. We're not just going to see signs and wonders. I feel prophetic right now. We're not just going to see signs and wonders in here. We're going to see them at Dillard's and at the food court and at Target and at Walmart and at the Piggly Wiggly. How many know the church is leaving the building? Okay, so this is supposed to be teaching, so we have to now uh, slow back down here. 1 Peter 3.15. I love this scripture. It says, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. That's the Greek word apologia. Always be ready to give an explanation to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Jesus, I feel more fire when I'm preaching than I did while I was praying. Hallelujah. There's a reason we have hope. There's a reason we don't bury our generation and say it's dead and it's going to hell in a handbasket. There's a reason we have a hope. It's that the move of God is still happening in the earth. How many know God ain't through yet? In fact, he's just getting started. I want to preach today on, teach today on revival apologetics, and I want to explain. I'm going to do this for the next several weeks. If this bores you or you don't get into this, I'm just letting you know where I'm going. 
For the next several weeks, I'm going to explain happenings of revival. And today I'm going to talk about falling out in the Spirit and shaking under the power of God. I love this. I love the look on people's faces right now like, should I leave or stay? I'm intrigued, but I'm scared. Just hang out with me for a minute, okay? It's going to be great. Lord, help me. Help them. Help us. Give me words to say and the anointing to say it with. I'm so tired of dead religion, God. Whatever you have to offer that is authentic and genuine and real, whether I completely understand it or I don't completely understand it, give me the grace and faith to receive anything that is you. I want nothing less than you. And I don't want to add anything more to you. We want you, Lord. How many want him today? Can you lift your hands as we finish this prayer and just tell him you want him? We want you today, God. We want your glory today. Come on, lay hands on your heart. Ask him to fill you today. Lord, fill us today. Fill me today, God. Fill me today, God, with more of you, more of your spirit in my life. In Jesus' name, amen can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Be ready to give a defense to everyone who asked you a reason. Um, most of you know by now that I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Uh, some would call it an old school holiness church. I always got very nervous when friends would come with me to church. There were, there, was, there were several options that service could go in, several directions. And depending on the direction it went in, I had a certain amount of anxiety that rose up in my heart. I'll never forget bringing three of my friends who often, high school friends, who often heard me talk about what was happening in my church. And, and they knew I was a church guy, and they knew I was a preacher, so they wanted to come check my church out. So they, I, I brought them on a Wednesday night. You know, Wednesday night is typically the safe night to bring people. I mean, it's, it's not typically given to a lot of manifestation and, and a lot of activity, uh, but that night was not a normal Wednesday night. And so um, it, 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 it became, infla I mean, it just became flammable in the first or second song. You must understand, growing up, we had at least six people playing the guitar at one time. I don't know if we ever had a piano, but we had six guitarists and a drummer and a woman that beat a tambourine, shook maracas, and had a head harmonica holder, and her hair went down to the floor. She would shake a tambourine in one hand, maracas in the other, and she would wiggle her head and play the harmonica that was in place. And when she really got excited, her hair covered her face, and it looked like Cousin It playing the harmonica. <laughs> I'll never forget bringing my friend... Jesse, you know you were there. I will never forget bringing my friends to church on that Wednesday night, and my friends' eyes the entire time were this big as they watched our 75 or 80 people do what we always did, just let God be God. And in the middle of that service, I'll never forget when one of the sisters in the church let out a message in tongues. 
And my friend's eyes got that big. He had never heard anyone speak in tongues before. And the whole service got quiet and settled down so that the person with the gift that God was giving at that moment could speak in tongues out loud. And my friend looked at me. He, not knowing what was going on, looked at me and said, what did she say? What is she saying? I said, hang on. It's on the way. It's coming in a moment. We're going to get an interpretation in just a few minutes. A few minutes later, someone interpreted and I watched... I watched as my friend was mesmerized by the activity of the Spirit and the power of God being poured out, but he had a lot of questions. And somewhere along the line, we stopped giving explanation because we thought it was unspiritual to have to slow down and explain things. And if it's God, nobody needs an explanation. You just know it's God. When in reality, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit that ever happened in Acts 2 the first thing that happened after the Holy Spirit was poured out and people started speaking in tongues is that Peter stood up and said, let me explain this. This, if you're wondering what this is, these men speaking in tongues and women speaking in tongues from all over the world, if you want to know what this is, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. He gives them a, prince, a, a contextual, a scriptural a foundation for the for the experience that they are now having. And because he gave the explanation, people who did not know found a door of entrance into something they had not previously experienced. I'm afraid that in our having revival and having church services, not just revival, but even liturgical expressions of worship and the ways we do it, I am terribly afraid in this hour that we don't explain and teach enough about what is happening and why it is happening. And because of that, we're still doing it, but people who don't know what that is and have never had access to that experience, they come to our church, they come to this house because they love what they feel, but they don't know what they're feeling, why they're feeling it, or what to do with it. So for the next few weeks, that's all an introduction. For the next few weeks, I think it's important for me as your pastor to explain. I don't know how much shouting we're going to do over the next few weeks, but I do believe the aha moments, the light bulbs are coming on in somebody's mind because there are people this morning that are having encounters with God on your row that you think are just flat crazy. The reality is they're not crazy. They found a key and got access into a place in God that is very real and it's available for you. You just haven't known that before. And one of the places, I don't even know why I chose to start here, but this is where we are. One, one of the places where I think there's a great amount of misunderstanding and contention is the whole issue of falling out in the floor. Why do people fall out in the floor? Is that scriptural? What's happening while they're falling? What happens when they get up, which I think is probably more important than when they fell? So let's talk about it today. Is it even scriptural for people to fall in the floor? I, I, can I just tell you this before I teach this today? I'm really, 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 I have like a spirit of laughter on the inside because I think it's hilarious and awesome all at the same time that I have to have this conversation with our church, that I really get to explain signs and wonders and supernatural things, which means we just want it. I just want more of that. 
I, like, like, I want you to hear me say, I never get wore out with signs and wonders and the supernatural demonstration of the power of God. We should never take that commonly. We should be like stoked every time it happens. If he ever heals anything in any of you, we want to know about it because what we celebrate on a small level, he will magnify and make, come on, if you can't praise him over him healing your ingrown toenail, you're probably not going to praise him when he heals a tumor in your neighbor's body. But if you'll make a big deal out of it when he heals a toenail, he'll heal the tumor and get all the glory, all the, all the glory belongs to him. So, um, what happens when a person falls in the floor when being prayed for? Is it scriptural? Let's first of all go to Luke. So, let me, let me yeah, that, that's a good place to go. Luke 8. Everyone go to Luke 8. Luke, get, keep your Bibles open for the next three weeks while I'm teaching. Because we're going we're gonna to look at a lot of scripture. Luke 8, when you got to say word, when you got to say go Vols, oh, y'all missed that win yesterday, didn't you? Look what the Lord has done. Come on in here, somebody. Kentucky who? Okay, never mind. I lost the anointing. Let's get it back. Luke 8, verse 43. Now, this is going to be more like Bible study for the next several weeks, so you're just going to have to keep your Bible open, okay? Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not get healed by any of them came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, this multitude throng, multitudes throng and press you, and you said, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody for real touched me. The for real is Wallace inserted. For I perceived, watch, power went out of me and left me. Now when the woman saw that she could not be hidden, she came shaking And fell down. Now, you say, well, she did the falling. Well, that's what happens when somebody falls in the floor. They do the falling. Why do they fall? If you're taking notes, this is the deepest revelation I have for you the entire sermon. Write this down. Why did she fall? Very simply because she could not stand up. Did you catch that? Now, that was deep, and I'll go over it again for you. The reason she fell down is because she could not stand up. Now let me back up and address something here because if you don't understand why she fell, you miss what happens in transactions of prayer in the altar. This woman for 12 years had a flow of blood in her body and I'm not trying to be graphic but she had a female condition that she could not get healed of, spent all her money on, on people who told her they had a cure, all her life savings is now gone, and she is not better, but she's in fact worse. She hears Jesus is passing by, and she believes he is the Messiah. Why is that important? Because in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, it says in Malachi 4, 2, watch, 
It says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Somebody say wings. Now wings doesn't mean the kind of wings you fly with. Wings there literally is the kanaf or the tzitzit, which, uh, yes, Chris, you brought it. Thank you, sir. This is a prayer shawl. I'm just going to teach this for you real quick. This is a prayer shawl. And a rabbi and a teacher would have worn a prayer shawl. And the border or the edge of this garment, this is the edge, and the border of it, watch, would have had these little strings that have knots on them. Each of these knots are called tzitzit. Everybody say tzitzit. Tzitzit are promises. They remind us of the promises of the word of God. When you see a rabbi walking with one on, all of these tassels on this prayer shawl that a rabbi would wear, every tassel is reminding him of the promise, the law, the word of the Lord. When the Bible says that the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings, not talking about these kind of wings, he's talking about the borders of the garment. The edge of the garment that have these tzitzit, these tzitzit are the promises of God and the reason that the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings is because the wings were loaded with the promises of God. When the woman touched the hem or the border of his garment, she wasn't just grabbing for any piece of clothing she could get, my God. She went right for the edge. Why? She was trying to find the promise of God. She remembered Malachi 4 verse 2 that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. She said, I'm sick in my body, but there's healing in the border of his garment. If I can grab onto a promise, if I can grab onto a promise, I'll be healed. She grabbed onto the promise of God. If you ever get sick in your body, grab on to Isaiah 63. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's a promise to grab a hold of. She grabbed a hold of a promise. Watch. When she grabbed a hold of a promise and touched God, don't miss this. This is, this is what I need you to understand. What was in him was released into her. Now, this is where some people in this room are getting ready to freak out. But we believe in this house, the anointing is transferable. Well, I don't know about laying on of hands. Okay, go to, take your Bible, come on. Hebrews 6.1. Hebrews 6, go to Hebrews 6. Laying on of hands is not even optional. It's actually a doctrine. I don't want nobody laying hands. I don't want creepy people laying hands on me. But there's nothing greater, in my opinion, than that can happen in your life when you have a need than somebody who's touched God and full of God lay their hands on you in faith. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Okay. Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on. Did you hear that? Leaving the discussion of elementary things. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't just stay stuck at forgiveness. Lots of people, all they preach is salvation and forgiveness. You should, I should, I do, we do. People get saved in this building because we teach and preach repentance and forgiveness. 
But he said, don't just stay there. Go on. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, go on. Listen, move forward. Well, I'm saved. You've been saved 30 years. What have you done since then? Look at your neighbor and tell him again, move on. Listen, there is more of God. There, there is more of God than just knowing your sins are forgiven and that you're on your way to heaven. There is more to, to I've got my name written down in glory. Praise God. What are you doing with the time you have on this earth? And in order for you and I to discover our true destiny, we must move on deeper into the depths of God's spirit. And the writer of Hebrews here says, don't stay with the elementary principles. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Move on to the doctrine of baptisms. Do you see that? I don't have time to do this. This is so rich. Baptisms. Somebody say baptisms. Z Z Plural. That's not just one baptism. Well, I'm baptized in water. Praise God. Are you baptized in the church? Well, how did that happen? When you got saved, you become baptized in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. When I'm baptized in the church, I joined the church. Praise God. Have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? I ain't got no help in here. Go on. Look at somebody and tell them, go on. Then, 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 this. Move on to the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands. There is a doctrine, a scriptural principle of laying on of hands. And what happens here in Luke 8 is we see what happens when a person touches or is touched by the power of God. Now, when this woman came and touched Jesus, she had faith. Anybody who receives anything from God will receive it, not because of need, but because of faith. God is not moved by my pity. Now, he can have mercy on me. He will show compassion on me. He will sit with me in my sorrow. But there have been many times in my pain, the Lord sat with me for a long time and he would have delivered me and not just had mercy on me had I believed him for it. God is not moved by my pity. He is moved by my faith. Now, when I say that, people who are living in a state of pity get real mad at me. Well, I want him to have, feel sorry for me. He does. But quit giving God a ticket to your pity party. He came to take you to a new kind of party. And he wants to help you celebrate breakthrough, but you can't have breakthrough while you're sitting in your pity. I ain't getting no help in here today. God wants to give you breakthrough, but, he, but, but we often want him just to... And listen, I know there are seasons in our life when we go through loss, pain, struggle, heartache, losing loved ones. I'm not trying to minimize that. I've pastored for 20 years. I have sat with people through the most difficult, challenging, unbearable seasons of life. I weep with those that weep. I understand that. But listen, there are some people, it's not just a thing of, of season. It has become a life sentence. And they actually, they actually like the attention they get because... Oh, Lord, why me? 
They live in pity all the time. God wants to jerk you out of that cesspool of pity, family, and he wants to bring you into a place of joy, but you're not going to get there just wanting him to pity you. You've got to ask him in faith to bring you out. You never get anything from God that you don't trust him and believe him for. Now, having said that, this woman in Luke 8, keep your Bible open to Luke 8, she has faith that he can heal her, so she walks up to him, and I love what the Gospel of Mark says in the fifth chapter, same story, different lens through which Mark tells it. It said she came through the crowd. She actually used the crowd as undercover, which is what some of you did today. You came to Jesus hiding in the crowd undercover, and you don't want anybody to know that you're here and that you don't, that you don't want anybody to know you've got problems, and you're just using the crowd, just hanging out among the crowd. I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to get your attention, and you've got his attention today. She presses through in the crowd, and she touches him. Now watch this. When she touches him with the touch of faith, it is very different than all of the other touches he has gotten while he's been in a throng. King, New King James calls it a throng. A throng. Come, 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 come help me. Can y'all help me real quick? Can you help me? Come help me. Come all of you. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to show them what a throng is. So this is what a throng is. Come on, Andy. You get over here. Andrew, come right here. And we're going to walk this way. And Jesus is just trying to get to Jairus' house. Come on, come on, come on. And just, and they're all bumping into him. They just all, it's a crowd. It's a mass of people. And he's just bumping into everybody. And, 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 and he's a, who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter, in his North Face jacket here, Peter says, red North Face jacket, Peter says, Lord, all these people around you and everybody bumping into you and you say, who touched me? Thank you. And he says, no, that ain't what I, I ain't talking about the bumping into. See, some of y'all just want to bump into Jesus today. But that ain't the kind of praise I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a bumping into worship. I'm talking about if you don't help me, I can't go home the way I came to church today. If you don't help, my God, I'm trying to behave. But I feel like I'm about to tear something up in this house. If you don't touch me, some of you can praise the Lord. Some of you might praise the Lord. But I have to touch God because my family needs him. My marriage needs him. My children need him. My job needs him. And when you touch God like that, you pull on heaven. Oh, my God, you pull on heaven. All this little, oh, praise the Lord. Come on, everybody, praise the Lord. He wants me to praise him. I guess so I get him off my back, I'll just. What kind of praise is that? My God, what kind of worship is that? Oh, Lord, I'm trying to see what I want to do right here. But I'm telling you, when you really want to touch him, something desperate on the inside of you kicks in. You start reaching for him in a desperate way. And when somebody desperate touches him in faith, he feels something. Oh, gosh. Okay, calm down, Wallace. Calm down. You have to teach. Seriously, I want to teach this. Don't miss this. Taking notes, write it down, underline it, do something. He felt something leave him. It says this. He felt something leave him. She felt something happen to her. He felt. Now, your translation may say uh, virtue. How many Bible says virtue? Okay. Virtue. How many says power? Okay. 
Okay, I don't know what version you're reading because I only saw like six hands and either nobody brought their Bible or y'all reading like, oh, it's a Spanish Bible. That's what it is. Okay, okay, never mind. We're all learning Spanish today while I teach. Okay, great. Here's the deal. Virtue, power, the, the Greek word, write it down as dunamis. He felt dunamis leave him. Does anyone... Can anyone uh, hear the word dunamis and make an association with another word you know? Dynamite. He felt dynamite leave him. Now, let me teach here. There are two words primarily used for the, the English word power in the New Testament. One is dunamis, one is exousia. Exousia is not dynamite power. Exousia is authority. I can explain it like this. Dunamis is the nine millimeter, or, uh, yeah, the nine mil uh, gun that officers carry to take care of, of, of bad things, right? But that's not authority. Dunamis is the gun. Authority is the badge to use the gun. So the Bible says that God gave us exousia, authority, to be able to use the dunamis power. <sighs> Look at somebody tell them, neighbor, you have power in the name of Jesus and you have authority to use the power. Ah, my God, my God, my God. Listen, his name is more than a good luck charm. When you speak his name, demons tremble. When you say the name of Jesus in the midnight hour, things start lining up and shifting. There is power in the name and the person of Christ. But the good news is, he not only gave me access to the power, he gave me authority to use the name. And oh, he said, in my name you shall cast out devils, tread upon serpents. Let me fix something I'm teaching. Slow down. We don't handle snakes here. When they say you will trample on serpents, it don't mean try that. See how that works out. No, nope, the devil is a liar. You bring a snake in here, you're going to have Sunday school all by yourself out by the road. We don't handle snakes. We don't believe in snakes. There ain't nothing crazy about this place. I'm telling you right now, you bring a snake here, if you don't know where the back door is, make one. We're leaving together, amen? We don't handle snakes. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, come on, how many know some snakes crawl, other snakes walk, and they wear a suit? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But what he meant is that you're going to encounter the, I feel like preaching a little bit right here. You're going to encounter the enemy in your life at times, and you need to know when the enemy shows up, all you got to do is keep walking, and I'm going to give you victory over every adversary Now, I'm laying a foundation, Luke 8, Luke 8. I'm trying to calm down, Luke 8. He is walking through a woman with faith and an issue, touches him. He felt, he stopped, let me say that. He stopped because he felt something leave him. She hid because she felt what left him into her. This is going, this is going, mm -hmm. Whatever is in God can enter into you. 
power left him. It went into her. When what was in him got into her, what was in her had to get out. And when what was in him got into her, this is why you got to be careful who you let lay hands on you. Pull my pants up here and go around too. You got to be careful who you let lay hands on you. When you see people down here and they got a badge on, it's because Devin and I know their hearts. We know their spirit. When we have to sit people down sometimes that are praying for people rogue, we don't even know them. Now, I ain't being mean. Don't, don't, no, 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 misunderstand me. I'm talking about people who we don't even know walking off the street on a prayer line. And you don't even know them. And I don't know them. I ain't letting them lay hands on you. Why would you be like that? Because you don't know what they got. The best thing I can do for you as your shepherd is keep you from crazy people. Creepy people. Now, there are times when we're in the move of God in this place and people who don't have a badge on but have a gift, I say things like, if you got the gifts of the Spirit, go lay hands on people. And we have a fire tunnel sometimes, and when we have a fire tunnel, it don't matter, really, we're just trying to survive that moment. There ain't no order. Just walking through, receive, receive, receive. It's important who you let lay hands on you. Okay, so she touches him. What's in him gets into her, and what was in her, her issue, got out. Jesus, I'm going to share something with you that I don't know that I've ever shared. I shared it with our students in, in ministry class this past week. There are times when I lay hands on people, Elder Kelly, there are times when I feel the power of God shoot through me like a piece of conduit in my house that connects a socket to the breaker box. Thank you. Me and my Bob Vila days here. I feel like nothing more than a conduit through which God came to touch your life. And not all the time, but there are times when I lay hands on someone and I feel that power come through me that person falls in the floor. Not all the time, but many times. How many have ever had that experience? If you've ever prayed for someone, you felt the power of God flow through you. Lift your hands so people in here don't think I'm crazy. Okay? I have laid my hands on people before. Now let me say something about laying on of hands. When the Bible says there's a doctrine of laying on of hands, it does not say there's a doctrine of cramming people in the floor. Listen, let me help you understand something, especially preachers, young preachers, old preachers, it don't matter who you are. If your ego is so big that the person you're praying for has to fall out in the floor to validate your anointing, you have issues. Don't push people in the floor. This is not about you showing everybody how anointed you are. This is about you getting as dead to yourself as you can, completely out of the way, so that God can flow through you. In fact, I'm going to tell you, the most effective people who know how to pray people through when they lay hands on them are the people who have as little ego on the inside as possible. Do you know what the ego is on the inside when you're praying for people? That ego is like something that clogs up the pipe. 
and God tries to flow through you and he's got to go around all your ego and all your idiosyncrasies to get to the person you're praying for. Just be dead to yourself. Thank God for the anointing. I feel like somebody's receiving this right now. God will flow through you into the life of somebody and many times you will feel it. Don't, listen to me, do not discount feelings. He felt, read the text, he felt something leave him. Read the text. She felt something happen to her. I know we don't walk by feelings, but how many are thankful for them? They're indicators. Something is going on here. Have you ever come in this room and you felt your hair stand up on your neck? That is, that is a supernatural thing. That's not just energy. It's the presence of God. This, oh, Jesus. So, so, okay, she touches him. Dunamis power leaves him. Enters her. Sickness leaves her. And she starts, he starts looking for the one who touched him. And she said, she comes to him, don't miss this, trembling. I don't know why they shake. I do. I know why they shake. They're in the presence of God. I don't know why they fall out. I do. It's the presence of God. Austin, come here. Austin's a big, strong, strapping guy, played football. He's a, one of our students at RSM. Austin, turn around. If I jump on your back, Austin. I'm not going to. Don't. He said don't. Okay. If I j Okay. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. If I jump on his back, and he's a strong guy. Thank you, Bubba. If I jump on his back, he can stand up with me for a minute. But the weight of Kevin, the weight of Kevin will eventually cause him. To fall down. If the weight of Kevin causes my man to fall down. I felt it when I laid my hands on it. If the weight of Kevin causes him to fall down, how much more will the weight of Yahweh? Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Second Chronicles 5. Where'd my Bible go? Oh, it's down there. Is this helping anybody? Second Chronicles chapter 5. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Y'all, he's not out there somewhere. He's right here. 
Second Chronicles 5. Now, what is this? This is the ark being brought back into the temple. Everybody know what the ark is? The ark represents what? The presence of God. Solomon builds the temple, brings it back into the ark. Look at 2 Chronicles 5. You can read the whole thing. I don't want to do that for sake of being a good steward of our time. But verse 13 says that singers, where are my singers at? And my musicians, lift your hands. This is a great text for us. Choir and musicians and minstrels and psalmists, listen to this. It came to pass when the trumpeters, the musicians and singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking God. Look at this. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. We sung that this morning. Jojo, I don't think I've ever heard you sing that more anointed. Oh, it was powerful today. She began to say, for the Lord is good and his love endures, his mercy endures forever. When she began to sing that today, the glory began to fill the house. Watch this. They began to sing, for his good, his mercy endures forever. The house, watch, verse 13, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. How many have a King James version? What does your version say? King James people, are you King Jamesers? It says they could not stand to minister. The new King James says that they, go to the next verse, last verse, 14, so that the priest could not continue ministering, but literally in the Hebrew, it says this, they could not stand to finish ministering. Why? Why couldn't they stand? I know why. They were in the glory. Do you know what that word glory is? Write it down, note takers. Write it down, note takers. Write this down. Glory equals, put an equal sign and write down this word. K-A-B-O-D. Kavod. The glory is the kavod. What does that mean, pastor? The kavod means weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. Glory equals kavod, equals weight. The weight of Yahweh? I don't believe in falling out. You just hadn't fell under the weight of Yahweh yet. Because if Yahweh falls on you in his weight, you might fall out. In fact, it's a miracle you don't explode. All these people who get bent out of shape when people fall on our floors, they're just falling out in the flesh. You don't know what you're talking about. They might have. It might be that their flesh couldn't handle it anymore. You got Bible? Sure. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Where's my Bible? I came equipped for the argumentative people today. And they're not in here. They're watching me on live stream. I get emails every week. True story. Verse 10, Revelation 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Heard behind me a, a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end. 
what you see, write it in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Next verse, please. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Next verse. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, now if you're taking notes, this is just good stuff to know. The lampstand there is the menorah. It's a seven-branch candlestick that was in the temple, and the seven-branch candlestick, upon the tips of the candlesticks, there was, a, there was a, 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 a fire burning, and the oil was in the menorah, and it produced oil for the flames to burn. John is walking among the lampstand of the, of, of the temple, and he sees this in the middle of the lampstand, there is one like the Son of Man, whoo, clothed with garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Next verse. His head and hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flaming fire. Does that, whew, does that sound like my homie I walked through uh, busting a sag with in the mall? This is my pal Jesus? No, look at that thing. That is not that kind of God. Now, he's my friend that sticks closer than a brother, but how many know he's holy? I'm not trying to make him unreachable. I'm telling you, he's calling you up to something higher. Stop trying to humanize him down to something lower. He had hair like wool and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Next verse. His feet were like fine brass as if it were refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Next verse. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword now John is seeing this. It must be blowing his mind because the last time he saw Jesus, he laid his head on his breast and Jesus had nail-pierced hands and he was, he, was just, he was just that resurrected Galilean, but this is not the same man he left in Acts 1. This is not that, no, no, no. This is the resurrected. This is the glorified son. This is the one coming back riding a white horse. And when the alien armies of the anti, when the armies of the antichrist, one time I said that, alien armies, Devin said, you got to explain that. That is not aliens. I'm not talking about aliens. It's the army of the antichrist. They, they will surround Israel in the end and Israel will look like she is done. But coming out of the east will be the king of glory riding a white stallion. He will never draw a sword. He will simply open his mouth and with his word, he will consume his enemies. This is who John is seeing. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining into, in its strength. Next verse. And when I saw him, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. Well, did he fall in the flesh? Who cares? He fell because he was in the presence of the holy weight of the glory of God. And when you come into that glory and he sits on your life, you can't stand up with your peacock chest and your head held high and talking about who you are. Who you are is irrelevant when the king of glory comes in. God, I feel like hollering. He's, I'm telling you, he's in this room today. I felt him when I walked up here. I felt him while I've been preaching. I believe angels are behind that curtain and that curtain. They're circling this house and they're crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. I'm telling you, I'm going to join the angels. He's holy, holy, holy. 
You know why some people never fallen in the floor in their church? Because he never got to come in. I don't believe you have to fall. Don't misunderstand me. I've laid hands on many, 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 many hundreds, thousands of people who never fell. And God touched them and God healed them and God blessed them and they never fell. But I've laid hands on some people and felt fire start from the top of my head, shoot up from the bottom of my feet, come out my right hand, and you think that sounds crazy, I know. But has anybody ever been a recipient of the touch of God through somebody's hand? Now let me help you understand something. If when you come to the altar, you come down here like this, I ain't falling. You won't fall. And it's okay. I get tickled with you. I mean, I seriously get tickled with people. They're like, I ain't doing it. Well, I don't care. <laughs> stand there if you want to. But when the king of glory sits down on you, you're not going to be able to stand. Whew, I feel him right now. When the king comes in and the king settles down on you, there are times when I have received prayer for people from people and the power of God hit me and I could not stand up. There have been other times when people prayed for me and I just stood there and received it. There have been other times that the word given me was accompanied by a heavy weight of glory. When they began speaking, the word was accompanied by a heavy weight. When that weight sat on me, I could not stand. I fell as a dead man. Do you know how a dead man falls? When a man dies, he doesn't fall like this. He goes, bam! What, what happened to them? They actually probably Something in them did die. Something did die. And the more it died and the more he came, the less I could stand. There's times in that 90-day revival. This is why when I, whenever Chris, Chris knows me, when Chris sees me start doing this, He's like, I got, I got to get him. He's about to go. My knees are leaving me. My strength is leaving me. There were times in the 90-day revival, I'd just be standing there talking to somebody. Power of God hit me. Weight of God come on me. Bam! Just fall down. Face first. Look like a fool. Get up with dirt all over your suit. I stopped wearing suits. I would never fall. You will when the king of glory sits down on you. Sit on me, Lord. That's what I tell them all the time. Sit on me, Lord. Just come on in here and sit down on this. Sit down on this. I don't have to be seen. I don't have to be heard. Just sit down on me. Dear God, church, are you hearing what I'm telling you? I don't know about you, but I don't want him just to be in the room. I want him to be on me. I want him to be on my life. I, there's something that, that feels so, I can't even say it. That's why it's called joy, unspeakable and full of glory. When the king of glory comes in and just rests on you, it changes everything. 
So why do people fall in the floor? Because they come up here hungry. And they have faith. And when somebody who has the fire touches somebody who has faith, faith gets on, fire gets on the faith. The glory rests down on them. They don't want to stand up. Now, what about people who fall in the flesh? Are you seriously that been out of shape about it? As if someone coming up and just falling down is going to ruin your day? If that's the worst thing you've seen all day, let them fall. Well, it wasn't God. You don't know. Maybe they were so hungry for God that all it took was a touch. And when that touch came, that fire fell, that glory rested on them. They were never the same. Well, bless God. Jesus never ran. Jesus never jumped. Jesus never danced. No, but everybody he touched did. <laughs> One of my spiritual fathers, T.L. Lowry, who's home with the Lord now, he used to say all the time while he was preaching, and he'd say it like this, there are people who say when I run, when I shout, when I dance, it'll be God. He said, no, when you jump, when you shout and you dance, it won't be God. It'll be a miracle. <laughs> I used to love it when he said that. Tick all the religious people off. Ezekiel, I could go through the, I, I, I have 15 different references. When Ezekiel saw, in Ezekiel chapter 1, when he saw the will in the middle of the will and the four-faced the four -faced creature, the last verse of Ezekiel chapter 1 says this. And when I saw the glory of the Lord, I fell on my face. This woman in Luke 8, when she touched God, she came shaking and fell down at his feet. Falling down is nothing you should get bent out of shape about. People have been falling down since God has been revealing himself. It's what you do when you come into the presence of something heavier than you can stand up under. There was a time in my life I wondered, how are we going to negotiate all this? How, how are we going to, Brian, help me, I'm through. How are we going to negotiate all this? How are we going to build a cool church? And people falling down everywhere. Because people don't fall out anymore. Especially in a large growing church, we just don't do that kind of stuff anymore. We have what we call hunger services. And so what hunger services are is all the crazy people get together one night a month and they can all fall out. But we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to freak out the people on Sunday morning by people falling out. So I used to try to figure out how we're going to negotiate all this. I just can't. If the glory comes in, people are going to fall and you need to know when they fall, they can't stand. He's here. When you see somebody shaking, how many have ever eaten oatmeal? Quaker oats? Anybody? 
You ever seen that guy with that black suit, little weird tie, black hat on the little insignia, the Quaker guy? Where do you think we get the word Quaker from? Because in the 1700s, the glory fell, and up in that place where the glory fell, they would come into services and shake under the power of God. And we think, that's so out of order. The woman who touched Jesus was trembling. We don't read that part. Well, she got healed. She was trembling, shaking under the power of God. Let me give you this. If the Bible, let me, write, let me read it like I have it written down. I feel like I need to say this. Let me, say, let me set this up by saying it like this. How many believe there are things that happened or are happening or have happened or will happen in your life? Listen carefully. They have happened, are happening, or will happen in your life that are scriptural but are not necessarily in scripture. Me? I'm one of those. Is the Bible your ceiling or your floor? Is it the foundation for your encounter with God or? Huh. Well, it's, it's, if it didn't happen that way in the Bible, it can't happen in my life. I just want to tell you that the time you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, real tongues of fire didn't sit on your head like it did them. But you still got baptized in the Holy Ghost. How many would agree that it was a miracle the morning God paid our debt off in this house? How many agree that didn't happen like that in the Bible anywhere? But it's scriptural. My point is this. Use the word of God as guardrails to keep you between not a ceiling that you ought. God never wanted you to try to replicate everything in his word. He wanted to show you what was available and accessible if you'll just keep your eyes on him. When we talk, I'm teaching today about falling down in the floor. This is the craziest thing ever. But this is not about falling down in the floor. This is about Jesus. This is about his presence invading your life. Some of you have a real good way of figuring God out. You have put him in your theological box and you like him as long as he stays in that box. But he's not in your box. It, God is not in a box. Where's the Ark of the Covenant? I don't know and I don't care, but they'll never find it because you can't put God in it. Everybody's wanting to find it because they want to find God. He ain't in the box. I really feel like there's a lot of people here who understand what I'm talking about today and they embrace it. There are other people today, and I, I came to teach you not because I'm mad, not because I'm trying to fix something. I want to... I want to inform you because I really believe where we're going in our future, more and more supernatural things will happen. I don't want you on the outside with a skeptical, cynical mind trying to figure this out in your brain and, and missing something God may want to do for you. You don't have to fall in the floor. But don't walk down here or anywhere else to receive prayer and bow up. I ain't falling. We didn't come down here to pray for you so you'd fall. We came to pray for you so God could sit on you. Amen. 
I'm going to talk for the next few weeks about manifestations and things that happen in our church services because I want you to know I want you to embrace them because they're truths of God's word not just theological underpinnings that some some young guy who was part of a Pentecostal denomination used to see it happen and so he believes that just because I was raised in it no 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 has nothing to do how I was raised I believe it because the Bible talks about it would you just lift your hands where you are and ask him to rest on you today it really is as in as easy as turning in toward God you father because you come in a way I've never seen you come before my heart is open we want more of you show us your glory oh oh God show us your glory reveal your glory Sit on us. Just rest on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand and just worship him a moment. Can we do that? Don't leave yet, just another few moments. Help us, Lord. Rest on us, God. Rest on us, God. We don't just want to know you're in the building or in the city. We want you on us, in us. Just get close. Oh, Jesus. Dry up our issues today, God. Dry up our issues. Like you dried up that woman's issue of blood. Dry up our issues today. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. The kabod, the glory, the weight of God. room today, the first thing I want to do is give any person who needs the opportunity just to come to Christ and be forgiven of their sins and find new life and salvation in His name. I want to pray for those who need salvation today. And you would say, Pastor Kevin, I, I need this Jesus to come into my heart. Would you please pray for me? I Maybe you've done a lot of really bad things and you're worried he can't take care of them. Maybe you've done it for a really long time and you're worried he's not, he's not going to be there for you this time. Maybe you've been really good and you don't know that you need God to save you, but something's not right on the inside. You know you're feeling God. If you're in this room and you need him to save you, I want you to lift your hand when I say three and say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray with me? I, I just want to give my heart to Jesus today. One, two, three. Lift your hand. 
please. Thank you. God bless you, sweetheart. Bless you, sir. Anyone else? Uh-huh. Everyone, you can put your hands down. God bless you. I saw a few hands. I want you at this first service to look at your neighbor. And I want you, whether you've known them your whole life or you've never met them before today, I want you to ask them in just a second. Really the most important question you might ever be used to ask someone. And that is this. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you and pray? And when they ask you that question, if you lifted your hand or you should have, they'll come down here with you. I'm going to stand right here and wait on you. And we're going to pray today and Christ is going to save you. Ask your neighbor right now. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you today? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come stand with me. Anyone at all. I saw a few hands. I don't come get people. This is a day to choose life. This is a day to come and choose life. No one going to, no one going to hurt you. No one going to say anything. We're just going to pray. Thank you for coming, sweetheart. Thank you for coming, sir. Come here, sweetie. Come here, baby. Come here. Pastor Devin said, ladies, come stand with me, please. Casey, come help me. Y'all come help me. They're still coming. Come on. This is wonderful. How many know this is why we came to church today? Thank you, Jesus. They're going to pray with them. I, I want to pray for the church. How many are open to God? How many want to be open to God? Can you lift your hands up? And say, Here I am. I'm open, Lord. I'm open to you today. If religion and church has ever caused me to be closed up to you today, I'm opening my heart. I feel the Lord coming in here right now. I'm opening my heart up to you today, God. Do what you want to do in me. Do it how you want to do it in me. Change me. Touch me. look at me. Do you know what happens when a person falls in the floor and it's God? Many things can happen. When I have fallen out under the power of God, I have never gotten up the same way. There have been times I've been laying in the floor under the power of God and the Lord just performed surgery on my heart. How many have ever fell out in the power of God and God just took something out of you that needed to be taken out? I've also been laying in the floor and had my joy restored. Got up with new joy. Can I tell you this? When God moves on you and you fall in the floor, if you fall in the floor while you're there, stay as long as his presence is on you. Because when you get up, you're not going to be the same. And he picks you up from that place. He'll help you get up out of that place. And he'll help you walk forward in life under a fresh grace and a fresh glory. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. I ask today that you just always fill an open door in this house, God. 
we don't ever want to shut the door on you. We don't ever want to have services that you're not a part of. Holy Jesus, be the center of it all. Get all the glory, Lord. Get all the glory. The glory is not in the falling or the preacher that made them fall. The glory is in your touch. May we keep our hearts and our faith on you. In Jesus' name. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. We're leaving in just a moment. Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would just revive this church. Keep them in a place of faith and victory. Keep them in a posture of strength, signs and wonders following them this week. Move in and through their lives in supernatural ways. Jesus, do it, do it, do it. Lord, I pray that common moments would become supernatural opportunities. I pray that mm -hmm, divine conversations would flow out of what they thought was just a normal talk. Let it just begin to shift. Let it become divine. Let it become more than just a talk. Let it become prophetic. I pray that their eyes, ears, and hearts would be open to the supernatural. That God, you are indeed not just working through preachers. You are working through your people. The church has left the building. That's how I'm going to end it right there. The church has left the building. The church has left the building. Go in the peace and in the power of the Holy Ghost today. May the Spirit of the Lord God be upon you as you leave. God bless you. Thank you.